Isn't it great to be in the house this morning, worshiping Jesus, serving Jesus, loving Jesus? And can we also welcome those who are joining us online right now through Facebook Live as well as our website? Yeah, it's pretty awesome, pretty incredible. And it's so fun to celebrate and worship Jesus together. And I love to do it with you right here at South Biscayne Church. And I'm excited about all God is doing. And we kicked off last weekend this brand new message series simply called Multiply. Because multiplication reaches higher heights much faster than addition. When it comes to numbers, things spread so much quicker through the process of multiplication as opposed to addition. Let's illustrate together. I want you to please give me the response to these mathematical equations. And for those of us who may not be as gifted in math, the numbers will be behind me. All right? Here we go. 10 plus 10 is? Yeah, good job. 10 times 10 is? 100 plus 100 is? Now watch this one though. 100 times 100 is? See how quickly, how rapidly those numbers expand when you begin to multiply. Well, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have been called to the ministry of multiplication. Can you say that with me, please? The ministry of multiplication. That is our mission. That is our mandate as followers of Jesus Christ. In fact... Has it ever occurred to you that Christianity is simply one generation from being extinct? We're talking about the faith that we celebrate, the Lord whom we worship, the, the, the idea, the fact that, that we can have a forever life with Him and have a life living to glorify Him on this side of heaven and the fact that He can forgive us of sin and free us from self. I'm talking the Lord who is so unbelievably amazing that our minds cannot comprehend Him has entrusted to you and to me, to us. Look to your neighbor and say, He's talking about you. Look to your other neighbor and say, He's talking about you. And then everybody say this with me, He's talking about me. Yeah, Jesus has entrusted to us the ministry of multiplication of taking his name, his fame, his story, his glory to the ends of the earth. That is our joy. Now, it might shock you that the word Christian appears only three times in all of the New Testament. However, the word disciple appears 286 times. 280, actually 281 times the word disciple is used in the New Testament referring to followers, learners of Jesus. And by the way, the word disciple was used in other terminology in New Testament times. For instance, poets and philosophers had their followers. So it literally means a follower and a learner. So today, you might be a disciple or a follower of a lot of things. Some of you are disciples and followers of the NBA. And how do I know that? You can tell me all the stats, all the the goings-on of which team and who's got what and who's going where with the NBA. Now, within the right framework, there's nothing wrong with that, but some are disciples of the NBA. Some are disciples of golf. 
because you know all about the game of golf. Some are perhaps disciples of fill in the blank tennis, or it might be disciples of motorcycles. It might be disciples of fishing. It might be disciples of finance. It might be disciples of literature. I mean, there's so many different things that we can chase and follow after. And given within their context, they're not wrong if they're not superseding our main goal, which should be to be a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower, a learner. That's what Jesus called us to be. And Jesus said these words right before he ascended back to heaven to a group of 11 men. In Matthew 28, he said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That word nations there is really the Greek word ethnos, which means ethnicities. In other words, go make disciples of every single people group. As I said already in my prayer, there's two billion who've yet to hear the name of Jesus representing several thousand different people groups who've yet to know who Jesus is. So that means that their job is not done yet. Can somebody say, "Uh uh-huh, oh yeah, or something? Yeah. He says, go. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to you. He's talking to me. In that original context, he's talking to his 11 followers. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always even to the ends of the age. Three words there in Matthew 28. Let's back up, look at that very quickly as kind of a foundation for where we're going. Number one, he said you are to go. Everybody say go. Go. So that means as you are going, life is a mission trip. As you're going to your neighborhood, as you're going to the grocery store, as you're going to play golf, as you're going to play uh, maybe basketball. My friend Barry down here in the front row, as he goes and rides his bicycle. I mean, this guy is a serious bicycle rider, and he rides on tough terrain, and he's in races on tough terrain. And not quite a year ago, Barry became a follower of Jesus, a disciple of Jesus, and I'm so proud of him and thankful for him. And because of the life that he leads and because of the, some of the clothing he wears, who put on like on the back of his t-shirt, don't follow me, follow Jesus and things like that, they started calling him Christian Barry. How cool is that? Then, check this out, then uh, they were riding bikes the other day besides the Mayaka River and they started calling him Baptist Barry. That's a pretty cool name, isn't it? He's known among those who don't know Christ as a follower of Jesus and he is using that platform to share Christ. So he's using his passion as a platform and we should do that. Use your passion as a platform. That is a place to share Christ. So as you're going, he says, by the way, you need to go into all the world. So you've got to go. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Acts 1-8 tells us. And to the othermost parts of the earth. So you are to go. That's my job. That's your job as we are going. Secondly, look at the command in Matthew 28, 19. He says, make, decide, or baptize them. He said the second thing is to do to baptize them. What does baptism symbolize? The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It symbolizes what Jesus did on the cross for your sin and my sin and the sins of the whole world when he shed his blood and he got up out of that grave on the third day. And baptism symbolizes death to our old life before Jesus coming out of the water, celebrates the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you profess to be a follower of Jesus Christ, but you have not been biblically baptized, 
which is baptism by immersion after choosing to follow Jesus, I would encourage you to do so. Go ahead and pull out that card in the seat pocket in front of you right now and start letting us know that. We'll be happy to talk with you further about that. But baptism is important. Go make disciples. And he says you're to baptize them. And then he says you're to teach them. Everybody say teach them. That's what I'm doing right now. I'm trying to teach us the word of God. That's what we do in our connect groups on community life groups rather on Wednesday nights. That's what we do as we volunteer and we serve together. We are making disciples. However, that's also what we do at our men's prayer group on Tuesday morning at 630 and so forth and so on. He says you are to make disciples. Now, this is why this is so important. All of us are called to do it. All of us are commanded to do it. And all of us are charged with this mission. And some of you might say, well, you know, that's great. You're a pastor. That's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And I would say, you are exactly right. But if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to be fulfilling Jesus' mandate and his mission to multiply. I want to say that one again. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are to fulfill his mission and his mandate to multiply by making disciples. That is your call. That is our call. Look at the book of Acts. The scripture records that just before Jesus' ascension in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, that he said, you will receive power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now, back up with me and think about this. There were only 11 disciples before Jesus ascended back to heaven. We don't have time, but remember, they all turned on him. They all denied him there in the final hours of his life. But aren't you grateful for Jesus after his resurrection? He came looking for them, and Jesus initiated the process of reconciliation with his disciples. He initiated the process of, of showing his love to them. I'm glad that Jesus is the Jesus of the first chance, the second chance, the third chance, the fourth chance, the fifth chance, the tenth chance. So... He reunites with them, and then he says, okay, now I want you to go and, and take this message to the world. And by the way, you're going to have the power to do it. Because some of you are here this morning and say, man, I just don't have the strength to do it. I don't, I don't have the octane that it takes. I got it. I'm with you. Neither do I, neither do any of us. He says, you're going to have the power. That's the Holy Spirit. He comes to live inside of you when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. Now stay with me. He said, now, you're to go into all the world, but wait until the Spirit comes. And so about 120 people gathered in an upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to arrive. Acts chapter 2 records us for us the coming of the Holy Spirit there on what is often called the day of Pentecost. And there the Holy Spirit came and indwelt the hearts and lives of those who believed and the scripture says on that day as the apostle peter who had been a denier of jesus now is declarating the greatness and the glory of jesus and all of a sudden guess what happens three thousand people become false of christ we're talking the church exploded we're talking it multiplied in just a matter of minutes and then started the book of acts and if you look to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 9, chapter 16, you'll see things something like this. The church multiplied. Their numbers multiplied. Now, some people don't like to talk about numbers when it comes to the Lord's house. It's kind of interesting. 
They don't mind talking about numbers when it comes to their favorite sports team winning. They don't, like, they don't mind talking about numbers when it comes to their bank account growing. But for some reason, I don't like to talk about numbers when it comes to the Lord's house. Well, may I remind you, there's an entire book in the Bible with the name of, say it with me, yeah, numbers. So I'd say God's concerned about numbers. It's interesting also that several different times, like on the day of Pentecost, he tells us how many became followers of Christ. Now, listen carefully. I understand we don't live and die by numbers, but every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story is one more demonstration of how Jesus Christ can change a person's life. Their numbers grew. Now, you and I have been entrusted with this mission, but the big question might come, how do we do that? Glad you asked. If you have a Bible, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's page 833 in the Bible in the seat tray in front of you. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Let me give you a little backdrop here to where we're going to spend the bulk of our time this morning. And God willing, most likely we'll pick up a little more with this passage next week. But may I remind you that the Apostle Paul is writing to his young understudy, Timothy. And Paul is in prison because he has been faithfully preaching the Word of God. He has been faithfully multiplying. And the backdrop is very interesting. Some of you who know your history know that Nero had ordered the burning of his own capital in Rome. And it had burned for six days and nights. In the meantime, Nero blames the Christians. And so he's telling everybody, it's the Christians' fault. And so the persecution of the disciples, of the falls of Jesus, really grew even greater and it grew stronger. They were imprisoned. The Apostle Paul ultimately faced the sword. He was, he was martyred for his faith. Christians were thrown to lions, boiled in oil. I mean, it was bad. Very much like what's happening in many parts of the world today, even though the media doesn't like to talk about it. More people have been martyred for their faith since in this century than in all previous 19 centuries combined. Persecution is rampant. But you know what happened in the book of 2 Timothy, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the first century? The more they persecuted believers, the greater and the faster the gospel spread. You know what's happening today, 2,000 years later, in places like Iran and Iraq and even China and Pakistan and some of those places? You know what's happening today? As they're trying to slow down, as they're trying to stop this movement of Jesus, the, the church is exploding and people are coming to faith in Jesus Christ like crazy. It's pretty amazing. We're here in America where we don't have the persecution Oh, I know, somebody may laugh at you because you had a God loves you bumper sticker on the back of your car. We're talking about persecution. And, and, and sadly, unless there's spiritual awakening in America, that is very likely to happen. And there is a level of that happening today. That's another, perhaps, talk for another time. But by and large, we're still free to share Jesus. But in spite of that, we're missing out on what God wants us to do. And I believe that the Scripture is going to teach us today how to multiply because that is God's command for all of us. So he writes to Timothy while in prison for preaching the gospel. And we're told in verses chapter 1, verse 15, and chapter 4, 16, that some had deserted him. 
Some folks who had been helping out the Apostle Paul, for whatever reason, checked out on him. And that's going to happen to all of us as well. However, Paul, at this point, is passing the mantle of the ministry of multiplication to Timothy. And he urges him to persevere in spite of opposition, to persevere in strength and faithfulness. So if without a backdrop, you can look at verse 7 of chapter 1. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So he says, look at it. Do not be ashamed to testify. By the way, you've got that same power. And I believe the word of God is saying to us today, do not be ashamed to testify. Do not be ashamed to tell other people about Jesus or ashamed of me, he says, his prisoner. But look at this. Join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So he says, Paul or Timothy, get ready. You're going to experience a level of suffering, so get ready to join in with me. So by the way, that flies completely in the face of those who say, well, if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be just fine. No, if you really follow Jesus, you're going to face some trials and some troubles. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Now you then, my son, again, son in the ministry, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now in the book of 2 Timothy, Paul issues 25 imperatives of command to young Timothy. And when we get to verse number 1 of chapter 2, first thing we see is a command to be strong. Look at it. He says, be strong. That literally means to be empowered. And by the way, you might be thinking, well, that sounds courageous and that sounds cool, but, but I'll just be honest with you. Sometimes I'm weak. And I imagine Timothy got weak sometime. In fact, he did. He struggled, it appears, with fear. So if you're here this morning and you struggle with fear, I've got good news for you. Go back to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 7. Memorize that. For the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I, I memorized that verse as a teenager, and that verse has helped me through many trials and struggles when I found myself overwhelmed with fear i gotta remind myself oh no there is no reason for me to fear because my lord is near and he has not given me the spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind you'd be shocked how many times i quote that verse before i stand on this platform because fear oftentimes strikes in my soul because of the huge responsibility that god has entrusted to me and it's an honor but i just want you to know like 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 young timothy sometimes i face that and maybe you do as well or actually look at what he says he says be strong be empowered now what does that mean notice he says because of the grace look at that word grace be strong in the grace that is in christ jesus now this is why this is important Coming to follow Christ is by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But grace does not end when we become a follower of Jesus. Grace is just beginning. Remember the old song that we sing here from time to time and some of us have sung through our entire lives, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I found was blind, but now I see. I love that song, but you know one of the favorite verses I have is verse number three. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, <laughs> I have already come. His grace 
has brought me safe thus far, and his grace will lead me home. May I just take a moment, hang on just a second. May I just take a moment here and testify about the grace of God? Because the older I get, the more I recognize and realize I need God's grace. And the older we get in following Christ, we recognize how God's grace has guarded us, how God's grace has guided us, and how God's grace has gifted us in order to accomplish the mission that he has entrusted to us. And even though we've come through some dangers and some toils and some snares, that same grace that got us to where we are is going to get us home one day. I am grateful. That's the kind of grace that God gives to us, grace greater than all of our sins. And by the way, just in case you're wondering, Paul said in Romans chapter 8 that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. I'm grateful for grace. He says, by the way, that grace is found, look at it, in Christ. That phrase, in Christ, in the Lord, or in Him, is found 164 times throughout the writings of Paul. Paul recognized that he didn't have what it takes, but he serves the Lord who does. Aren't you glad of that today? We don't have what it takes, but we serve the one who does. And he says, listen, you be strong. And by the way, this is a passive verb in the original language indicating that the source of the strength was not in himself, but in the grace that is in Jesus Christ. That's why Paul wrote in, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and, and say it with me, his mighty power. So you've got to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So, so Timothy, I'm commanding you to be strong. So as we talk about, pray about, and obey this ministry of multiplication, we need to understand Jesus' command to us, be strong. This is a command. Well, I don't have what it takes. Don't worry. If you've got Jesus in your life, then he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now look at the second thing. He says, now I'm going to give a commitment to share. The commitment to share. Look at verse number two. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust them to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So right here, we have the hearts of discipleship. We have the hearts of of this ministry of multiplication. Now, just, just by way of a side note, sidebar, I want to jot this down. The very essence of evangelism is discipleship. Now, what is evangelism? Some of us hear that word, and we have all kinds of imagery come to mind. That means, that means sharing the good news, telling other people about how Jesus Christ has changed your life, and we're all charged with the command to evangelize. You say, well, I don't really have that gift and talent. Yes, you do because the Holy Spirit lives within you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. The essence of, of, of discipleship is evangelism, but the end of discipleship is evangelism. In other words, the essence of sharing Jesus should, should result in a full court follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple. But at the very end of discipleship, there should be evangelism. Now stay with me. I've been around about this for a year or two now. And a lot of times when people talk about wanting to be discipled or grow in their spiritual journey, they 
are talking more about head knowledge, more about information, more about details, which is important, but the Bible is not given to us as a book of information. The Bible was given to us to be a book of transformation because information without application and transformation is an abomination because the book of James says to him who knows to do good and does not do it it is say it with me if you know it sin yeah so it's not just for information so when we talk about the ministry of multiplication he is telling us here you are to multiply now now how does that happen well I want you to look at the text and hopefully we'll illustrate this and prayerfully, it will help us kind of get our minds around what we're all called to do. And prayerfully, in weeks to come, learn how we all might better do this. He says, okay, now here it is. The things you have heard me. Now, who's the you there? It is Timothy. And who's the me? It is Paul. So you is, say it with me, Timothy. One more time. Timothy. Me is who? Paul. Now, you entrust these to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. So there, there's four generations here, four generations. So I'm going to ask some guys to come up here and help me. These are guys who are always smiling, always cheery, always happy, always like just incredible men. And I'm going to ask them to come on up here. So Kennedy, you come on up. Eric Swincy, Swanson, come on up. I call him Swincy because I've known him since he was about this high. So you guys come on up here. Burhalter, you come on up. And, and because you guys just stand right back here and, and act like you at this point don't like each other. So stand a little ways apart. These all guys do like each other. Come on over here, Burhalter. Come on over here. All right, Kennedy, you come on down just a little bit. I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask the old man, Mr. Mark Myers, to come up here. He, that's what he has on his Instagram. He says the old man. He is not an old man, but that's what he says. And I know he's not. He's young at heart. He's young at heart. He's a great man. I love these men. Now watch this. Paul says there should be four generations minimal taking place in Timothy's life. You've got the apostle Paul. So for now, the old man has become Paul. All right. All right. And I, I love this man. He's a dear friend. So, so that's why he's smiling so much because, because he just, you know, we, we love each other so much. Just, we've been through a lot together. So he's the Apostle Paul, all right? So what is he supposed to do? He is supposed to entrust and model to Timothy. You're like, I thought this was Kennedy. No, today he is Timothy. All right, Kennedy? And it was just about five Easter's ago, I believe it was. Is that right? Nine, what nine? I'm getting old, all right? Nine Easter's ago that Kennedy walked down that aisle right over there and became a follower of Jesus Christ. This man is amazing. I love Kennedy, all right? So see that big smile on his face? I love those smiles. And then you got Swincy right here. You got Swincy, okay? Now his real name is Eric Swanson. But as I said, I've known him since he's about, I don't know, three or four years of age. But I like to call him Swincy, all right? So you've got Paul training Timothy. See the big smiles on their face? They just, they just can't, they can't help but, but, but smile because they get excited thinking about this. And you've got Timothy, look at the text, entrusting it to reliable witnesses or reliable men. I'll talk more about that in just a moment, all right? So, so now... Swincy here is, re is a reliable man, all right? And he is, because I know him personally. And uh, he, he became a Christ follower here many, many years ago, as well as his wife, and baptized here, and exciting to see God using them in a great, great way. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. And then, last but not least, 
Burhalter here, who just this summer answered God's call to be a student pastor. How cool is that? Love this young man. Proud of him. He now becomes the others. Everybody say others. others. Now watch this. So you got Paul. You got Timothy. Thank you. Swincy's helping me out. See, he, he knows the drill here. So you can say it back with me. Thank you. You got Paul. You got Timothy. You got reliable men. And then you've got others. All right, here we go. Paul, Timothy, reliable men. Let's take a test. And others. All right, so who is he? All right, you guys are listening. It's awesome. Like, well, that's great for Timothy. That's great for Paul. And by the way, if you study Galatians chapter 1, it's a mystery. But Jesus appeared to the apostle Paul himself in the, the desert uh, in Arabia on the road to Damascus. And he talks about that. So, so Paul had received from Christ and, and then from others. The book of Acts tells us that. So then, don't miss this. He takes... The gospel, what it looks like, what it means to follow Jesus, represented by my Bible, the baton. And he receives it from Christ. And then he passes it to Timothy. And he said, hey, Timothy, this is important. This is big stuff, Timothy. Don't waste your time on those who are not reliable. In fact, if you study the text... The, the idea there of entrust means you're giving something of tremendous value. So Paul is entrusting to Timothy something of tremendous value. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the hope of mankind. God commissioned us to go make disciples, and you and I are to multiply. There is no plan B. God doesn't have a plan B. You and I are it. Everybody say, we're it. One, two, three. We're it. Yeah, we're it. And then he says, okay, now, Timothy, you entrust this to others who are reliable. That speaks of men of character. It speaks of men. And by the way, this is all in the original language. Thank the Lord for great uh, study, word studies. Character, men of competency. Somebody who, who's got a certain skill set, they're going to take what they've received. And then he says, okay, those reliable witnesses pass it on to others. Now, obviously, it does not stop here, does it? What is he supposed to do? The same thing, multiply. Let me ask you, who was the one who shared Jesus with you? Who was your, let's just for illustration's sake, let's say Timothy. They brought you to church, maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a friend, maybe it was a neighbor, but they shared Christ with you. Okay, awesome, praise the Lord. You're a follower of Jesus, that's great. Do you have a Timothy? When we have a Timothy, then, then there's, there's no such thing as empty seats in a church like ours or any of them because when we've got Timothy's we're bringing them along with us and so that's why services begin to have to grow and you have to multiply and add more facility or excuse me more services ultimately perhaps more campuses and more facilities and by the way he says 
you're to pass this on to reliable witnesses. You know, when I was in India, when I was in India just a couple of years ago, brought in or a year and a half ago to help train pastors who lead networks of churches, some of whom had up to 1,000 house churches that have anywhere from 10 to maybe 50 people meeting in their house churches. The gospel is spreading literally like wildfire there. And here's how they do it. Here's how they do what I'm talking about right now. They literally, and I, I, they talk to me about this, they literally follow the example of the New Testament. They teach people on about the first six or seven basic principles of the Christian faith, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be baptized, how to read your Bible, pray, so forth. The basis of the Christian faith, the same kinds of things we teach in our growth track on Wednesday nights here at South Biscayne Church. The fundamentals, everybody say the fundamentals of what it means to find and follow Jesus. Now here's how they work in India. Because again, some of them have received tremendous persecution. If someone balks somewhere in that journey, oh, I'm going to follow Christ, but I'm not willing to be baptized. Really? They're going to pray with them, be patient with them for a little bit of time. They're going to try to explain to them and so forth and so on. But if those people aren't willing to grow, they just move on to somebody else. And there's a billion people in India. They, they balk at what it means to spend time with God and His Word and prayer. And then they, they stop coming. They kind of start skipping out on, on those weekly meetings that they have because they understand the urgency of the gospel. And ironically, in a culture where there's tremendous persecution and where it is certainly not cool to, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, that is one place the gospel is spreading like crazy. In America, far too often, pastors like myself are pleading and begging for people just to show up. Let me tell you something. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, nobody ought to have to plead with you and urge you to show up to the Lord's house. Nobody ought to have to plead with you and urge you to read the Word of God, to share your faith, to pray, and to serve. And so no one should have to plead with you and urge you to put God first financially if, if you're a follower of Jesus. There's a lot of you who are followers of your version of Jesus. It's not the Jesus of the Bible. That's a side note sidebar. But because the hour is urgent, we've got to be reminded we're to be multiplying. And so Timothy receives from Paul. Paul, Timothy then passes it on to reliable men. And then he passes it on to others. So let me ask you a question. How are you doing with all this? You see, in my own life, I've got some Pauls, and God allows me to have some Timothys. Those Timothys, and this is by the grace of God, because I've had the right kind of men mentoring me and multiplying, that, that effect is happening. It's happening here at South Biscayne Church. That's why God has given us this amazing mandate of multiplication. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty amazing. It's absolutely incredible. We're not going to keep everybody. Some come in, some go out, some for a short season, some for a long season. And it's really cool to see God multiply. We've been praying that God would bless us indeed, expand our sphere of influence. His hand would be with us. He would keep us from harming ourselves and harming Him. It's pretty amazing, pretty awesome to see how God multiplies. God multiplies churches. God multiplies all kinds of ways to those who are willing to be part. Now, here's the deal. Was it optional for Paul or not, if he was going really to follow Jesus, to multiply? 
Talk back to me. Was it optional? Come on, talk back to me. No, I mean, if he's going to be serious about following Christ, it is not optional. So the answer is no. Was it optional for Paul? No. Was it optional for Timothy? Was it optional for these reliable witnesses? These reliable men. Was it optional for those others? Is it optional for you? Let's pray together. Thank you, man. Would you take a moment right now and say, Lord, help me to take serious your command to multiply. To be strong in the Lord and in His grace and receive His command to multiply. If you're a follower of Christ, it is not optional. I mean, it is because He's not going to make you. But at the same time, it really isn't because that's what He wants for you. And by the way, there's not a greater joy than being part of Jesus' ministry of multiplication. Ah, love it it's incredible it just started in our homes with our children it should pass there to our grandkids because we as a church want to help you in that process but it ultimately relies upon us as parents and you may have some grandkids who have parents who don't know Christ grandparents love on them share with them we had an amazing family in our church who are winter folks who've had a house here for almost 10 years. They just sold it. And they moved back to Indiana for the express purpose so they could be with their kids and grandkids who don't know Christ. They're so broken over their lostness that they said, hey, we've got to forego this. We've got to get involved in their lives more so we can share Christ and pray for them. And we had a sweet prayer time a Tuesday morning in my office. Dear people, I love them. They left on Friday. That's what we're called to do as parents and grandparents. You got grandkids, are you praying that they follow Christ? I've got two. I pray for them to that. And I've got one on the way. I'm praying for him that he'll become a follower of Jesus, that they'll experience God's best for their lives. I pray that for my kids. I pray that for my two sons-in-laws. We should all be praying that. We should be praying that if we got kids still at home and they're not married yet, pray that they'll pursue God's best. We have a big responsibility. And then, how about our neighbors? You're placed on that street for a reason, not just because it's a beautiful neighborhood and a fun place to live and you like the house, that's all cool. But since you're already there and God placed you there, why not share Christ with your neighbors? Again, at work, on the team, at school, your classmates, your co-workers multiply if you don't have a Paul someone mentoring you get involved either way I would encourage you get involved with in our connect groups community life groups get involved in serving because it's not just about knowing but it's about doing and ministry is serving in ministry volunteers one of the greatest way to grow spiritually and then last but not least if you're here today and you've never chosen to follow Christ, would you today say yes to Jesus? He loves you with an everlasting love. And you might be thinking, man, it sounds like you all take this seriously. Challenging others to talk to people like me about Jesus. And the answer is you're exactly right. He's too good to keep to ourselves. And also we're concerned about 
your life and we want you to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven just like he wants to but he's given you the free choice and if you're here today and you've never told, chosen to follow Jesus or maybe you're watching online the Bible says whoever calls on his name there's the name of Jesus shall be saved if we confess in our heart our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised from the dead we shall be saved that's what the Bible says so would you acknowledge your sin? The Bible says we all have. Ask him to forgive you of your sin. Place faith and hope in him. And today, allow it to be your day that you follow Jesus. I'll lead you in that prayer, but make the words of this prayer the desire of your heart and make it your words. Otherwise, it's meaningless, but I want to help you. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? Why not today follow Jesus? Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth so that I could have a forever life with you. Thank you for giving your life on the cross for my sin. And thank you from rising for rising from the dead on the third day. And thank you that you offer life to whoever receive it. And today, I ask you to forgive my sins. Today, I want to surrender my life to you. And from this day forward, Jesus, I want to follow you I want to serve you. And Jesus, use me to multiply in the hearts and lives of others what you've just did in my heart and life. Use me to multiply your love to others. If you just prayed that prayer, I want to pray for you in this closing prayer. If you just chose to follow Jesus, I want you to hold your hand up wherever you are so I can pray with you in this closing night prayer. Just hold it up real high. Yes, today I've chosen to follow Christ. Just hold it up. No one looking but me, please. Anyone? All right, thank you. Thank you. Now, those of you who prayed with me just then, would you look this direction? I want to say welcome to God's family, young ladies. Sir, ma'am, happy for you all over here. And if I don't make eye contact, it's not intentional. I want to encourage you, though, to fill out that Connect card in the seat pocket in front of you. Will you do that? Let us know about your faith decision. If you're watching online, you can email us. PastorSopsGain.com. One of our staff, our volunteers, will be in touch with you. You can text us my amen to 0300, but we want to help you in your faith journey. So it's just the start, all right? So please grab that, fill that out. Take that Bible as a gift from our church. We're excited for you. Now, while you're doing that, I want to talk to the rest of us. Probably, if by an unlifted hand, that would indicate that you're a Christ follower, that's an awesome thing. Are you coming to church alone? Or are you bringing someone who needs Jesus with you each week? Because when we are fulfilling what Paul charged us to do, and what Jesus charged us to do, we can't keep Jesus to ourselves. So we ought not to be coming alone. So here's the challenge this week. Take one of our multiply and buy cards or take some with you and why not invite those who you live near or that you know and encourage them to come with you next weekend. Begin to encourage and invite people for Easter weekend. Coming to church alone means you may be going to heaven alone and Jesus never meant for us to go to heaven alone. He wants us to bring others with us. How do I know that? He told us, go into all the world and make disciples. So could we pray right now for those who we know who don't know Christ? And if you're not burdened for them, would you pray that God will give you a burden? 
Pray that God will give you a burden for those who are far from God in your sphere of influence. Lord Jesus, thank you for these who have indicated today they followed Christ. For these couple of ladies and this gentleman, perhaps others that I didn't see look up at me. I pray that you help them grow, mature in their faith and following you. God, I also pray for hundreds in this room and perhaps hundreds online who would say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. But Lord, we're not doing what you told us to do. Break our hearts so that we love you more and that we love others more and we take the gospel to those who've yet to hear. And even now as we give, we thank you that we give in order that we might help fulfill your mission. We pray this in Jesus' name and all the church said, amen. amen.